0: We're going to talk about what does it mean to speak the gospel. We're having evangelism training after service. We' going to invite you all, if you're able to stay. We know it's Father's Day, but if you're able to stay, we' to encourage you. And Doran's going to walk us through just some helpful ways to communicate the gospel in a very specific ways and how to have these conversations. But tonight I want to talk about gospel fluency. When we think about gospel fluency, it's this idea of being able to be so fluent in the gospel that it's just a natural uh, talking, it's a natural conversation. Uh, When we begin to think about how the gospel relates to all aspects of life, I hope that through this series we're seeing as we unpack the truths of the gospel, which we did back in May and then now in June, understand the identity of the gospel and gospel fluency and as we talk about gospel rhythms and community next week, I hope that we begin to see that the gospel is not just something that we learn about that says that, that Christ saves us from hell or Christ saves us from condemnation. But even though that is true and that's part of it, the gospel speaks to so much more, and we would say speaks to all areas of our life. I want to give a challenge that's going to uh, at first sound uh, contrary to maybe something you've been heard before, but let me, let me just explain it, and I think it's going to help us get started. Uh, what if I were to say to you that every single one in he- person in here is an unbeliever? What, what, do, I, what do I mean by that? Because oftentimes we use the language of believer and unbeliever in the category of those who believe in Jesus and those who don't believe in Jesus, and so we talk about we are believers in the sense that, that because we put faith and trust in Jesus, we're believers. So for me to say and give a challenge, which I am giving a challenge to some degree, but I'm going to use the word differently than how I just explained it. But if I give the challenge that we're all unbelievers, you immediately hear that as if to say that I'm saying you don't have faith in Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that there are still aspects of our heart and of our minds and of our life that is not fully trusting in the truths of the gospel. We just sung about it a moment ago where where Charles uh, faithfully just took a moment and, and spoke in to challenge us to think about finances and think about family and think about our health and think about specific things, and then to remind ourselves of what? That he, God the Father, the good Father, has perfect plans for us. As if to say, there's a part of us that struggles to believe that at times. And in that sense, we are all unbelievers. Not to say that we don't have faith in Jesus, but it is to say that through the sanctification process, because we are not fully with Christ in eternity, we still have a tendency in the sinful heart and flesh to turn our hearts and minds to, to doubt God and to trust other things. I'll give an example. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday, and they were just giving praise and celebration to some cool things that God has done in their lives. Very similar to Kendall just did a moment ago about the building. And I encouraged this person. I said, "Hey, you need to write all of this down. You need to write all of these details down." I said, "Why? Because we tend we tend to forget things as time goes on. It's the reason in the Old Testament when they went through the Red Sea, or they uh, went, they crossed over the Jordan, uh, the people of God, or when uh, Jacob had this fight with God, and all these different moments, these big moments in the history of Israel would happen." God would often tell them to do what? I want you to take a bunch of stones and I want you to stack them up and make a pillar. Why? Because that was a reminder that when you walked past that in the future, you would walk past that, you would see that that pillar of stones and you'd be reminded of what God had done in that place. Why? Because we have a tendency to forget. And because we have a tendency to forget, we have a tendency in our hearts to not believe in God. And so the challenge for us as we are unbelievers in the sense that there are still aspects of our heart that are not fully trusting to God, that therefore means that we need the gospel still to speak in our life today. That the gospel is not something that just happened to us in the past, but the gospel is something that is happening to us now. It's good news today that even as a believer, Christian, using that term, and the term of as a Christian follower of Jesus, faith in Jesus, that even now, today, the good news is still good news for me. That there's areas in my life where I can trust the Lord and, it's, and be able from my heart to say it is okay. Ephesians chapter 4, our text today is verses 11 through 24. It says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, now, Paul's, Paul's giving an argument that Jesus himself, in the verses prior to verse 11, that Jesus himself gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers as a gift to the church for a purpose. What is that purpose? To equip the saints for the work of ministry and for building up the body of Christ. To what end is the goal of building up the body of Christ? Verse 13 until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. That's the important phrase, to mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of what? The fullness of Christ. He's talking to the believers, he's talking to the church in Ephesus, and he's saying, hey, I'm giving you your leaders, your spiritual leaders, for the purpose of equipping you to make disciples, equipping you for the work of the ministry, and to continue to, as I will translate it in meaning, to preach the truth of God's word and to preach the gospel till you come to mature manhood. And what is mature manhood? It is being filled with Christ. It's the same thing that Paul would say to the church in Philippi. It's not going to be on the screen, but just briefly. Paul says to the church in Philippi, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with the knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. One of my primary job descriptions as your pastor is to continue to preach the gospel teach the good news of Jesus, to teach God's word so that we all may continue to grow in maturity so that one day when we see him in eternity, we will stand there pure and blameless, sanctified in him. As if to say, the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the first time you believed in the gospel, that was the beginning of your journey where the gospel transforms your life, where Jesus transforms your life. It is not the end, it is the beginning which means you and I still need the gospel today. Therefore, you and I need to learn how to speak the gospel to one another. That's why Hebrews 10 would say, do not neglect the gathering of the body of Christ so that you may stir one another up to love and good works. The reality is, is you all need me to faithfully stand here and preach the gospel, but you all need the people sitting next to you tomorrow to also faithfully preach the gospel to you. You need the same people or maybe a different person on Tuesday that you encounter as brothers and sisters in Christ to speak the good news of Jesus into your life on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Why? Because you need the gospel on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday and not just today. The goal and the end goal of what we see here in Ephesians of why God has given us leaders is so that we all may grow in the knowledge of the Son of God into maturity to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. As if to say, our life is just full of Jesus. There's no area in our heart, there's no crevice in our bodies that is not filled with Jesus. Every bit believes. So remember at the introduction when I say that we are all still unbelievers, meaning there's still a part of us that doesn't believe. That means there's a part of us that still believe. Needs Jesus. Let's continue on because it speaks to gospel fluency. Verse 14. So that we no longer may be children. He's talking about what maturity does for us. We're no longer children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind and doctrine. I'm pause for a second, because I sometimes like, what does that mean? I-, I can tell you how it works in my life. I remember as I look back on 13 years in full-time ministry and I look back on those first few years when I was first started full-time ministry and I first got into seminary to now where I am today, one of the biggest differences is I used to get so upset if I felt like my theology was challenged. I used to get so upset if I feel like I didn't have the right answers. I used to get so upset if I met someone who thought different for me because then that challenged me, and then that made me feel insecure because what if I'm wrong, and what if I have it all messed up? And then I would just get, what, tossed to and fro as someone would come in with an argument here and there. And one of the marks of I recognize as I look back is when I encounter someone who thinks differently than me, it doesn't bother me so much anymore. It's not that I don't care, but it's because over time God has matured me to, Be confident in who he is in me and where I stand on issues. Part of that is maturity. And as we grow in maturity, not just in our knowledge, but in maturity in our heart and soul, it allows us to stand firm and not get tossed to and fro like children do early and young in the faith. But verse 15, he says, Rather, we are to what? Speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Once again, what is the goal? Is that we speak the truth in love. That's what we do for the purpose of seeing us grow into Christ. Let's talk about what does it mean to speak the truth in love. I think a lot of times when we hear this phrase, we think it means that I'm going to tell you something that's hard to hear, but I'm going to do it in a loving way. Right? Like, like you have a friend who you're out to eat with maybe, and maybe they have salad in their teeth. And so you're like kind of embarrassing, but because I love you, I'm going to tell you, right? And they're like, thanks and just kind of awkward telling them. But if you ever ignored not telling them and they found out and they're like, why didn't you tell me? If you're my friend, you would have told me, right? It's the idea of because you love me, you'll tell me hard things. Well, that's part of what it means to tell truth in love. And I do hope that if we are going to tell somebody something that's hard to hear, that we do it in a loving way, that we'd be Christians and do that in a gracious way. But that's not fully what he means. We're going to get to verse 20. But I'll keep reading, because he defines what it means to speak the truth in love. Verse 16 says this, though. From whom, Christ, from whom the whole body, joint and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not what you, or that, that is not the way you learned Christ. He's defining what is it that you did here. What was that truth you did here? But that, it is, that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, As the truth is in Jesus, as if to say to speak the truth into love is to speak Jesus into people's lives. If you read verses 16 through 19, it sounds very similar to what we just quoted at the beginning of Ephesians 2, that you're following the spirit of this world and you're all into disobedience among who we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. But we heard Jesus and we came to faith in Jesus and we were made alive with Christ by grace we have been saved and we've been raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that happens in justification and salvation but now even as believers we are to continue to speak the truth in love so here's the goal of this text the goal of this text Paul is saying that you have been given leaders they are to speak the truth you are to speak the truth so that we all grow to maturity And we get there through the good news of Jesus Christ to transform us on a daily basis. We need the gospel every single day. There's no aspect of our lives that does not need the gospel. The gospel is not just a message of how we have freedom from Christ's wrath and judgment on us because of our sin. Yes, the good news is that he has saved us for all eternity, but that good news applies to my life today. We need to know how to believe and speak the truth of the good news of Jesus, to about God into others' lives every day of our life. We need to know how to address the struggles of life and the everyday activities we engage in with what is true about Jesus. How many times have we had a conversation, even maybe with other believers in this room, who are giving you a hard, or they're telling you about a hard time or hard thing they're going through? And how often is our solution simply earthly? But Jesus speaks into that situation as well. The truth of His life, death, and resurrection, and the result of all of that, speaks into every part of our life. We must become gospel fluent. So um, I spent um, a summer in uh, summer and fall in Brazil. And then after that, I've been to Guatemala seven, eight, nine times. So my Spanish is, uh, um, well, it's not good. Let's just leave it at that. Um, I have friends over here that help me with some of my Spanish classes that I've even taken recently. It's not great. Uh, But it's good enough, right? And so what often happens is I know certain phrases, like, I know where the bathroom is. Um, sometimes you get in a foreign country. I can I can tell you how to ask where the bathroom is. I can tell you how to order coffee and ask where the bathroom is in Spanish. It's great, but after that, I really my Spanish is, isn't so well. But I you learn and you pick up phrases, and then I'll go to Guatemala and I'll and I'll say things, and you know sometimes they respond like I made sense, and other times they respond like I don't make sense, and then I'm like, well I I can say like half the sentence, but I don't know how to say the rest, and so if I say the English word and put L on the front of it, like uh, well, does that work? And then they look at me and I was like, that doesn't work. And, 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 my, and my Spanish is, is really like Spanglish. You ever heard that phrase before? Like, that's, that's really what it is. Now, why do I tell you that? Well, that's helpful in very specific instances. If I need to know where the bathroom is or I need certain things, I got that. But as far as living life and speaking, it's, it's insufficient. I really think a lot of times when we talk about sharing the gospel, A lot of us may have the knowledge of the things that maybe only that Doran's going to share this afternoon, specific ways for us to have the gospel conversation, which is important, right? When I take Spanish, I need to know the grammar rules. I need to know that there's masculine and feminine uh, nouns and verbs and how to do those tenses. Like, I need to know that, and I need to know how to speak it. Like So I need those foundational truths, but if I never move past those foundational truths, Spanglish is all I'm going to get. And I really think we have this gospel idea of speaking the gospel where we know the foundational things, and maybe that's it. And maybe you're going to come to evangelism training, as you should, and you learn that. But if that's all we know, then your gospel fluency is no better than me going to Guatemala and trying to speak Spanish. It's helpful, and it's a start, But what I'm talking about today is not just you have the ability to walk up to someone on the street and tell them the facts of the gospel, and that's it. That's important, and we should do that. But it means, what does it mean for us to speak gospel truths every single day and every single moment into every situation? This is what we mean by gospel fluency. It means that when we sit down with a friend who is struggling with a with how to think through finances and how to make ends meet, that we sit there as a good friend and we try to help them think through that. And we try to help them think through what to do. But that we also have moments where we go, if he, our father sent his son to die for me, and I know he loves me so much that he would do that, then I can trust that he is going to take care of me. I can trust that. Well, that's how the gospel speaks into that financial situation. Let's have moments where the, as just to use the illustration that Kendall gave earlier, I know that God's called us here. Which you gotta know God's called you to New York City with seven kids. Can I say that? Like you've gotta know. I got three, and it's difficult. But you gotta know God's called you. Eight kids. You brought seven. See, I don't even get that number wrong, right? You gotta know God's called you, and they do, and they are faithful in that. And so they're like, okay well, we need this building, and we ain't got the money for this building, and this building ain't cheap. Nothing in New York's cheap, and so we all know that. I don't even know how much it costs, but it wasn't cheap, and they go, what are we going to do? Well, we trust if God's called us here, then he will provide, so we're just going to trust him, and he did. That's what it means in every moment of every day. The gospel is going to speak into this. When you get a report from the doctor that is not what you wanted or expected, we trust that God Is the one who created and formed you and shaped you. And even if you don't understand it, we can trust that he is sovereign in all of his ways and we trust him that he is going to provide. And we trust in texts like Romans chapter 8 that he'll work all things for the good of those who love him or are called according to his purposes. Remembering that that text is in a glorification passage talking about eternity. That the promise is that in eternity, ultimately, for sure, it's a guarantee that all things will work for your good. So even on this side of eternity, when it looks like things aren't working for your good, we can trust that he is still, even in that, working all things for our good. This is what it means to have gospel fluency. And as you and I better understand the truth of the gospel, and we continue to eat on the truth of the gospels every single day, we become people who are fluent in the gospel. So let's ask the question, how do we become fluent in the gospel? How does fluency happen? Well, as I mentioned, before Guatemala, I spent some time in Brazil. And if you've learned a second language, your journey may have gone something like this. As I get there, and I know absolutely no Portuguese, but I moved into a village that was way on the outskirts of Cuiaba. It took about three or four hours to get there. The last two hours were dirt roads that had to be done by a four-by-four. And we get all the way up into this village, and that's where I lived, and no one else spoke English of any kind. And so for me, I just started learning Portuguese. I would go to the adult reading class, uh, similar to like an ESL-type class that happened in the school in that community at nights. And I would take the basics of elementary-type Portuguese grammar, and I would just begin to learn Portuguese. And over time, I would study. And, and in the first month especially, I just went to bed exhausted, feeling like I ran a marathon every night in my mind, every day, just trying to learn this language. Under... Getting a little bit frustrated because this was, this was back, I took calling cards to Portuguese. So this is way back before Wi-Fi, FaceTime. Well, Wi-Fi was there, but I didn't have it where I was. And, and they didn't have phones. And so I wasn't even talking to people in English on the phone. All it was was Portuguese all the time. But over time, I began to pick up on things. And even though no one else spoke English, and I didn't speak Portuguese at the time, I began to learn it so this, to the point where towards the end of my time there, I could sit in a, in a service and pick up on 75% of what the preacher was saying. And I may not have gotten all of his illustrations, but I knew the main point and I could follow along in the Bible. The point where even I began to dream. You know you've made another language when you dream in that language. Well, what happens? Fluency happened as we were around. I was around and just began to be immersed in the language. Well, you and I are going to become gospel fluent as we are immersed in the gospel on a daily basis. That means two things. One, I had to personally study Portuguese. You have to personally be in God's word. Two, I had to be around people who spoke Portuguese, which means we've got to be around people who are gonna speak the gospel into our lives. I think sometimes when we get with a friend and there's some grace here, we don't do this perfect. Sometimes we go with a friend, we just, we just, we just need a vent a little bit. You know what I mean? We just wanna get the frustration out. We're not actually asking them to solve the problem. We just gotta get it out. And we just, we just go and we we get we ran for a second. We get frustrated about something. That guy honked at me way too many times and, or whatever it may be. The last thing I want to hear sometimes in that moment is a gospel truth. Because it's just like, oh, you're being overly spiritual, but it's what I need. I'm making fun a little bit because I, I feel this way, even as a pastor. Like, hey, I just want to talk to you, but I need my friend in that moment to go, hey, Jonathan, what, what does it mean? Though when we think about this situation or this situation or this situation, what does it mean that that Jesus is on his throne? How does that impact that situation? Well, it makes me realize that my situation is under the control of God, amen. That doesn't solve the problem, but it puts the problem in perspective because it's through the gospel lens. Church family, we ourselves need to study the gospel. That's why we're doing this series. We need to be in God's word. But if we're gonna become gospel-fluent people, we must commit to speak the gospel, even at times when it's the hard thing to hear. Sometimes we just want to write back and rant back and agree with them and go, yeah, let, let's get them or, or whatever it is that, that you're mad about. Or, but instead, as we speak truth and forgiveness and grace into situations, we'll create a community that's gospel fluent. So that when we go in the workplace, as we talked about last week, Philippians 4 challenged us, to let our manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that we go and we live and we speak in such a way that God is glorified in all things. So I wanna encourage us, we must be a people who know how to evangelize. We know the truths of God's grace and His mercy. We need to be able to go and tell that to strangers. We need to be able to have that conversation with our coworkers. But we also need to be able, on every day, just be able to communicate the goodness of God in situations. One of the most common questions I get is, Jonathan, how do you bring up the gospel in conversations? And honestly, as I'm gospel fluent, as you think about gospel fluency, is that you begin to see opportunities to speak into people's lives. Why? Because people's lives are hurting and broken, and the gospel speaks to that. How many times have you had a coworker tell you about a difficult situation in your life? Guess what? The gospel has an answer for that. The gospel speaks into that. The gospel gives hope. So many reasons why churches have new hope, new song of hope, hope church. Why? Because hope is a big part of our story. So let us be people who find ways to speak hope into people's lives. That's to speak the gospel into people's lives. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you That when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, because of grace, you made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. That we've been made alive not because of our own doing, not because of our own efforts, but because of grace. You have made us alive. You have raised us up with Christ. And you have seated us in the heavenlies with Christ for all eternity. So Jesus, uh, I pray over this room if there's somebody in here who is still dead in their trespasses and sins, Spirit of God, might they hear the truth of the gospel today? That if they p- confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised them from the dead, they will be saved. That as they put their faith and trust in you, you, p- you would pour out your grace and awaken them in salvation. You would make them alive. I pray that we see the beauty of the gospel today for the first time or the thousandth time. Let that beauty be fresh and anew today because Jesus, I still need the gospel today. We all still need the gospel today until there's every part of our hearts is filled up in complete belief and surrender to you. We still need the gospel. So I pray that every heart in here today would receive the truths of the gospel. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at newhopeny.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is New Hope NYC. Our website is www.newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have 4 p.m. worship gatherings on Sundays at 164-2 Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you and we hope to see you soon.